Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And we are reaching across the globe. We are circumnavigating the globe today <laughs> to find this, this incredible gentleman. He helps Rachel's. Now, I, I, I call her me dumbfounded. I have no idea, but we're going to ask him about that. He is a business <laughs> coach for, for professional women. He is in Sydney, Australia. I'm in Barbersville, West Virginia. It doesn't matter because right here, right now, we're together. My friend Anthony English is joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Anthony, it's evening here as we record this podcast. It is morning where you are. We have about a 14-hour time gap. How are you today, sir? Well, I can tell you the future is bright. And now speaking from the future... <laughs> Words of encouragement. Yes. Yes. Last night's uh, lotto, winning lotto numbers as well. Tonight's winners. The future is bright. I'm writing that down as we speak. The future is bright. I love it. And that's, and that's a message from the future to you. You know how they say, oh, if you would, what would you tell your younger self? Well, I'm just telling my, your future self. It's here. The future is here. I'm, I'm already in it. It's tomorrow. I would go back to myself at about 18 years old, and I would say it's going to get real interesting for the next 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Anthony, let's start here. You you and your country in, in, in Australia, yep. you guys started to see some things around COVID-19 well before we did here in the States. Um you guys were were dealing with a lot of issues and things that we had not yet dealt with here in the United States. And so looking back at the last year, take me through the last year for you personally, professionally, how oh. have you and your family dealt with some of the issues around COVID-19 and this pandemic? I ask people that all the time because I want to get a yeah. different perspective than the yeah. one that I have. So, so how has the last year been for you? Well, uh, to, to tell you the truth, <laughs> the impact has been absolutely minimal. Um, we were, all, I was already working from home coaching, doing business coaching, and I've also got a YouTube channel that's growing, growing very fast. And, uh, and so I've been working from home for years and not only that, we've been homeschooling for years. We've got seven children, my wife and I, and so. Uh, it actually personally, it became, uh, a bit easier because there were quite a few children's activities <laughs> that, that got canceled. You are amazing. My friend, because my, my father was the youngest of 12. I yeah. have one, my wife and I have one child. You have seven. Please take me through the ages of your children, oldest to youngest. Sure. So, so we've got a 19 year old. Uh, a girl, an 18-year-old I boy. feel you. I feel you. My son's 20, so I'm there. I'm right there with you, my friend. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, 19-year-old girl, 18-year-old boy, 16-year-old uh, girl. Uh, you know, actually three, three, four girls in a row. So 16, um, 13, 
Sorry, 16, 14, 13, and It's okay. 10. You can be a little foggy in your memory because I can raising, be foggy. raising teenagers, and you've got like five or six teenagers from 19 to 13, raising yeah. teenagers is, and, and I laugh, Anthony, you'll appreciate this. Hmm. I laugh at people that either have small children or they're, you know, they're like, they're like, you know, nine, 10, 11 years old or, uh, yeah. or they're just about to be parents. I'm like, <laughs> you ain't seen anything yet. <laughs> Wait till your kid becomes a teenager. That's when your life will radically change when they become well, a teenager. Well, I mean, you know, following your, your, your father's advice about encouragement, I, um, it's a, it's a really big part of my, uh, of my life and my attitude as, as a parent is to try to see what good there is and what lessons there are. And, you know, not to confront, but rather ask a question, you know, gently, hopefully <laughs> sometimes that doesn't work, Anthony. And, uh, and, and then, yeah, our youngest one is eight years old. Uh, and he's, um, uh, yeah, he's very calm calm even though he's got five sisters and one brother and yeah the, the the boys i think are probably more more uh more calm the, yeah the, the girls are fire uh, well firecrackers <laughs> but that's fine that's great is, is yeah. that where you got the impetus to to begin coaching women because no men with daughters have a heart for for empowering and helping women go further yeah. in life. I And I'm thinking of a good friend of ours that we've gone to church with for years. He has two daughters. His yeah. oldest daughter has her PhD and his youngest daughter is trying to get her, her degree in engineering. But yeah. he's all the time talking to me and he's got three boys in the middle and he's talking to me about daughters. And we were talking one day, I'll share this with you. We were talking one day and I, I don't know what made me think of it, but I told him, I said, my job as a parent of a, of a male with our kids being so close in age, I feel like my job as a father raising a son is to prepare him so that he, so another father that has a daughter and, and they come together and they want to get married. I want that father to feel totally comfortable that I've done everything that I can to equip my son yeah. to be ready to marry his daughter. Yeah, look, it's a great, um, uh, it's a, it's a great approach. I'm, maybe you know the film Courageous. Uh, Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and um, and that, yeah, that, that 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 just whole notion of taking on fatherhood and you know the the <laughs> the the role of that and doing what you can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Anthony, got, you know, hmm. I don't mean to interrupt you. My, my hmm. father-in-law hmm. gave his firstborn daughter to me and had enough confidence in me to say, take my baby girl and you two go in and, and make a family together. Yeah. He had to have confidence in me that I was going to love and protect and care for his daughter and do everything that I could for her. And I've done that for almost 25 years now. And, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. I, I just, I had to park on there because that, that is a connection that, sure. that, that fathers have. And I'm not diminishing anything about mothers. I believe this. I believe if we as fathers can encourage our kids and put our arms around them and say, Hey, you, 
you're always going to find encouragement here. You're always going to find a place where you can be, my dad did it for me. I'm trying to do it for my son. How important is it for you to, to empower and encourage your kids? Because your, your kids are from 19 to eight and you have to parent each one of them differently. How important is encouragement and empowerment to you as a father? Yeah, it, it, it's it, it's it's true because it's, it's often what I've found, and I'll segue this into into coaching women in a moment. Yes, please often do. What I've found is that uh, people don't know their own their own gifts, their own strengths, and uh, <laughs> ironically, often what they pinpoint is their biggest weakness is actually their strength. <laughs> And it's really sometimes just, just so helpful to see something in a different light. Like if, you know, some of the, some of our, our, our children have got maybe we'd say a lot more energy <clears throat> and, um, and being able to, to direct that in the right way, rather than try and crush it. <laughs> I love what you just said there. Often, and and I had to write that down, Anthony. Yeah. Often a person's biggest perceived weakness is really their greatest strength. Absolutely. Did you find that lesson? And that is so profound. Thank you for sharing that. Did you find that lesson in coaching or parenting? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the reason I was coaching men and women or trying to, and men just kept dropping out. Like the day after, yeah, well, this sounds great. And the next day I'd get a message saying, you know, my wife says, uh, look, well, I spoke to my wife and we've decided, you know, not to go ahead at this point. And I'm just sort of thinking, okay. And then the next one, another man, another man. I said, what is this? <laughs> what am I doing wrong? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was at the point, um, you know, my wife's homeschooling. Like we don't have a lot of other income coming in and coaching can be a bit of a tough gig. So I was at the point of going and getting, uh, looking, looking, maybe not too seriously, but an, an IT job going back to, you know, my roots in IT without much heart in it, but you know, you've got to pay the bills, right? The children, unfortunately, I haven't yet worked out the formula for, for having children that don't expect to eat every day. They're, it's hundred really percent. Yeah. American kids are the same way. Yeah. And, 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 and televisions and cars and, <laughs> you know, things like that. I mean, it, it's just profound. I've got to go here. You're, you're really, you're really dialing in on some things today. And I love this conversation. This, this is so good. What was the impetus for you and your wife to decide to homeschool your children? Because in, in here in the States, homeschooling from the pandemic is, in, is becoming increasingly more popular, but oh. two or three years ago or five years ago, you were almost looked at as weird or yeah. not, you know, why, why are you home for my family? And I, we decided to pull our son out of uh, a public school and sent him to a Christian school. So he graduated yeah. from a Christian school. Went to two Christian schools and we went to, we went to Christian school with folks that sent their kids part-time 
to play sports and things like that. They would take a, cool. a class or two at yeah. the Christian school, but the rest of the time they were homeschooled. For you and your wife, what was that decision like that, that you were going to homeschool your <laughs> children? And and what's been the, the greatest benefit to you from it? Yeah, so so we made that decision uh, when we were engaged. And uh, so our eldest has now just graduated from, well, university, as we call it here, or college you might call it. And, um, yeah, and she, she never went to school. Yeah. And so I, I suppose there were, yeah, there were, there were faith questions. There was also, you know, perhaps maybe I, I, early on, we, we might've been more driven by negative reasons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then after a while we came to see that that was not really the main, yeah. <laughs> the main motive was just to keep them away from the big bad world. Right. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so we've seen some spinoffs. I'm not saying, I'm not sure that the children will see the, the benefits as they grow up. They do seem to go through a period where, you know, they feel some resentment and resistance and yeah, that, that can certainly happen. Um, so yeah, it was in terms of keeping the family together, in terms of teaching them and, you know, I mean, it's similar to, in a sense, uh, like a, a, a home business, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, I remember the first time that I heard of people working from home, like in an office set up. And um, I was I just, how, how, how can that work? <laughs> Nobody could work from home. And that was the day that was pre-internet. That was probably even pre-computer. Um, in fact, I'm not even sure that writing had been invented yet and, and, or electricity. So it was, <laughs> yeah, it was a little while ago, but yeah. I, I just didn't click with me. How could you possibly work from home? And, and it was so new the idea and that was as a child and then homeschooling, same thing. I remember the first time I met somebody who was a homeschooler and I was, I was, I was just fascinated, uh, that they, they were right in the inner city. They were in a very, very popular, heavily populated area. And, uh, and that the family were homeschooling and it was just, it really amazed me, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Let's step aside, take a quick break. There, as we take a quick break, I want to um, talk about coaching and homeschooling because I think it's there. Great. There's a lot of similarities there. Back in a moment here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you, as a business owner, can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers 
after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Anthony, I want to I want to step aside here real real quick here and and just I want to wrap my mind around it because there are a lot of similarities between coaching and homeschooling. How involved did you get in in homeschooling your kids? And and what were some lessons you learned from homeschooling that you applied to coaching women? Wow. <laughs> that's uh that's some some great questions there. One thing that I find is that uh, I, I find that women on the whole are, uh, on the whole are more self-aware and, you know, we, we men tend to be, <laughs> tend to strut, strut our, our gifts and boast a bit. I, I know I do. And, uh, and it's, it can almost be a distraction. And so I, I also, I didn't mention, but I grew up, I had six sisters and I was the only boy. And some people draw the wrong conclusion that that means that I understand women. That's absolutely not what I'm saying at all. No, no, I, I don't think any, I don't think God gave us that gift, my no, friend. No, I don't, totally, don't think yeah, got, yeah. <laughs> it's and not I, that. You know what? And, and that you mentioned that, and 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 that's the thing is, I think that that the Creator, I think God Almighty, the Creator gave us women to in in our lives as men because you just mentioned women are and you're 100% correct women are incredibly self-aware guys are are constantly looking for the angle and we're we're you know we're yeah. we're going to try to figure it out yeah let's and let's women, fix this yeah, let's fix it you just told me about it. a problem yeah, let me fix it right yeah, now <laughs> let's let's fix it that's right i don't think god gave men the ability to understand women because if we if we did, we would try to constantly fix what we thought was yeah. incorrect about them. I've got to go here with you for just a second. That moment, you, you mentioned it earlier in our conversation. You were coaching men and women professionally. And, and guys didn't have that stick to it. It's like, well, I talked to my wife and it's, you know, we're going to go in another direction. Yeah. But, but women, what was that moment like for you when you said, I can really impact the lives of professional women and really yeah. help them get more out of their careers than what they thought they it would be possible? Yeah. So, so what, what really happened was I was about to basically give up because I just said, look, I, I, I need to eat. <laughs> One of the women who I had helped earlier on a few months later, a few, a few months earlier, um, had herself gone through, she'd gone through a lot of trauma and financially and in many other ways. And, um, so she knew what it was like, you know, not to have enough money. Right. And she told, so, so when I said, look, I have, you know, I have to, I have to go get a job. I have to eat. She, she wrote back, she said, you're joking. You're not doing that. Wait a minute. <laughs> Easy for you to say if you're nice yeah. and rich, but she was very poor. And she said, no, you have to, you have to coach women. And I had another uh, response from another woman uh, along the same lines. And I thought, hmm, 
okay, I'm going to take that as a sign yeah. that I better keep going with this. What I did, what I think I do, uh, and it really ties back to that question of, um, uh, of knowing your own weakness or thinking that you're finding that your weakness is actually a strength. What I try to do is I create a safe space. Coaching is not telling them here's what you need to do and giving them instructions. And it's, it's not therapy. It's, I mean, I don't even know people will argue about the definition of coaching and mentoring and so on. But what I do is I try to create a safe space so that when they do come to, to a, a particular area that they think is their weakness, I, I point out to them that the game is not over yet. Like you don't declare that you've, that you're a loser yet. You, this, what you said was, was actually what you thought was, was actually a weakness. For example, they say they don't know how to sell. Uh, or they may consider themselves introverts and they say, I'm, I'm actually an introvert and therefore I can't run a business. <laughs> Nobody's going to accuse me of being an introvert, introvert, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to go and say, well, you're an introvert. I'm an extrovert. Let's, you've got to be like me. So, like, that would be crazy. You've actually got an advantage over me. You're a better listener. <laughs> you're well, I, tell my son, I tell my son all the time. I, I tell my son, I say, look, the greatest thing in life that you can do is not be like me. I want you to develop your own individuality, your own, be your own man. My dad did that for me. He's like, be your own man, be your own man. How is it? Why is it? Do you think Anthony, that it is difficult for women to discover their true professional selves and their true professional calling and be who God created them to be? Is it societal pressure? Is it thinking they have to be perfect? It, what, what have you discovered yeah. that, yeah, that, there that, is, about that? There is a lot of per perfectionism and, um, and a lot of, you know, expecting to please, you know, maybe, maybe dad or mom or and, and dad and mom might not even be alive anymore, <laughs> but still somehow trying to, to, to get it's that. pleasing a ghost is what it is. Yeah. It's pleasing. Yeah, it a could ghost. be. That's yeah. right. And so, what I one thing that I try to do is get much more specific. And so that's why it's, it's it was I changed my title uh, on my on LinkedIn when I'm very active. I changed it from I help business people or something very vague like that to I help women, and that was a really really scary thing to do. Not because I. I was scared. Oh, I'm going to lose all of these men as clients. That was not a risk at all. I wasn't getting any. Well, what I love I, what you said, Anthony, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but what yeah. I love that you say is Rachel would like, and, and I'm going to take this right off your profile. Rachel mm -hmm. would like to know how to shut down that inner critic. Who's telling her you're yeah. not good enough, even though her clients see that she is. Exactly. How, how do how do women, how, first of all, where does that self-limiting belief come from in your experience where, where they find it? Is it, is it in the way they were raised? Is it in negative experiences as they've had in the workforce? Because you have in, in today's society, and here's why I want to go here with you hmm. in today's society. You have a lot of women say, well, it's easier today to be empowered more than ever. 
and you're working with women every day in Australia that that's not their reality. That's not the, 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 what the perception is out in the world, so to speak, is not the reality that a lot of folks are living in. How do, do Rachel's get to their good enough? Yeah, that's, it's, that's what I help them with. <laughs> and, and how, how, how I do it is by showing them, showing them that the very thing that they said they could never do, they're probably already doing perfect example is if for example i'm going to say look you're really good in dialogue and i i i think video is going to work very well for you i wouldn't recommend that for everybody but for some of them i say this is how you're going to to make your mark is through video and they say i could never do video and i'll say to them do you realize you just said that to me on zoom yeah the, yeah. the very, the fascinating thing here just is that, well, I, so I said, I, so I changed my LinkedIn profile to, I help women. And that was still too broad and vague. And you know, who is this, a man helping women? I don't help all women. And I very rarely work with Australians anyway, nothing wrong with Australian women, but I don't, I, I, most of them are in the States. Most, most of my clients. Nothing wrong with Australian women. You're married. No, to no. Them. <laughs> I'm married to <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, the, the, here is the key is that I, I, I wrote a, a LinkedIn post about a year ago, a little bit longer saying, saying, let's play tag Rachel. And here's the deal. What happened was that there were, I was looking through the list of women that I'd like to work with and that, you know, maybe I'd, we'd spoken once or twice and, and, oh, and I kept, I saw that, that she, she's named Rachel. There's another one called Rachel. Oh, there's another Rachel too. What is it about these Rachels? <laughs> and so I then wrote a LinkedIn post saying, let's play tag Rachel. And it was just said this, I, I know some amazing women called Rachel. I know some amazing women not called Rachel. And I know some amazing men not called Rachel as well. Yeah. But let's put aside the non-Rachels at the moment. Tag one Rachel that you know. It can be a, a you know a various spelling of Rachel, Rochelle, or Raquel, whatever. Rachel, tag tag one in the post, say her name, and tell us why she's amazing. Hmm. We got over 80 Rachels got tagged some of them my sister was rachel my grandmother is uh rachel i was supposed to be called rachel yeah. <laughs> uh whatever it was really really beautiful and and i then changed my headline to i help rachel's and that is kind of a metaphor for what uh what i do the post actually was was not me doing anything other than calling out the cheer squad saying, I want you to know Rachel and anybody else that you're not alone. Yeah. There's a whole team cheering you on. Your customers are coming in. Even your competitors are coming in and saying, Oh, Rachel over here. She is an amazing copywriter. She and I actually work in the same industry for the same. We, I, I'm just, I'm glad if I lose clients to her, like if I lose an opportunity and it goes to her, she is so good. It was just beautiful. And so, the, the other thing is that men tend to be a more cerebral, sometimes more abstract. I don't mean more intelligent, but they're, 
the way of thinking for men is more strategy, more looking out, uh, you know, longer term generally. And, and women are much more concrete and practical on the whole, you know, they're more one within themselves. I find men, it's more easy for men to, to kind of divorce their body and their soul. And, uh, and so when I said I help Rachel's that really triggered in something it was unique. It was certainly a, a, a very different way of putting out a, an elevator pitch on LinkedIn, but it was also relatable. I get women right to me now. And, uh, and they will say something like, I'm not sure if I'm a Rachel or they will write and they'll actually sign their name, Rachel, when that's not their name. Yeah. So they're identifying and, and that's really what I try to do with my coaching is, is to help them to see for themselves. It's not, it's not a, like woo woo coaching. It's not believing in yourself. It's, it's, it's really. There is somebody out there who needs your help. You are a helper. You are a servant. You are a server. You are great at doing this. You, you, maybe you don't want to niche down because there's probably, you could probably hold down four different full-time jobs yeah. <laughs> in four different areas and, and you would run the place. You're the one that people turn to, but I, uh, like when there's a big family event or a tragedy or whatever, everyone leans on you. So. Um, so why don't we tap into those gifts and even in what you think is your, is your negative is actually a positive as well. Yeah. yeah. So good. Let's step aside, take a quick break and we come back, sure. Anthony, I want to tell your story. And so we'll be back in a moment here on the intentional courage podcast. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew, and he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector. You've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up, Kindle if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email. And I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Anthony, I want to dive into your story. And um, again, I, I just thank you for, for just being so authentic and sharing. I was fascinated by the fact you have seven kids. I was fascinated by the fact you're the, you're the only son of seven, six sisters. 
That's right. So take me through your story from point A to where we are today. <laughs> um, tell well, your, tell, I was tell your story. In, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I won't go back too far other than to say that I had a, um, in my career, apart, apart from having six girls around, my wife always said how quiet I am when I'm, a, when I'm around my sisters. <laughs> and uh, no, not many people say that I'm quiet. Uh, but, <laughs> but my sisters, yeah, I mean, I suppose that we might say that they, they really set the tone of the, of the, of the atmosphere. Uh, and, and one thing that I, I did, I, I, you know, naturally was, I suppose, more attracted or good at the technical stuff, the IT stuff. And, uh, so I did that for 20, 30 years, jumping, jumping ahead here. And then. I realized I, I was, I was just very frustrated with it. The industry itself was going down a lot of things getting outsourced to, you know, cheaper countries and so on. So it was, it was just hard to sustain, to keep up either contract work or a full-time job in it. But also I really wanted to, to speak about the people side and the marketing side and, and teaching. I love teaching. And so, and, and storytelling, and that didn't really fit into the IT world. And so, uh, I started writing articles for IT magazines and articles, not just technical stuff. I wrote, I wrote for five different magazines, not just technical. And what I did was I, I, I pretended that you knew exactly nothing about the topic and that, I, so to try and put you into context put in some story. Uh, one of the, one of the articles that I wrote was why I love unhappy customers. Right. So it was, it was not your typical <laughs> it thing. And then as I started to go out into business on my own, I, um, I found that I was helping some other it people, mm. uh, especially on the marketing side, cause you know, it was new to us all. And, uh, and then, as I did that, yeah, I, I, I ended up having helping conversations, shall we say, with people. Yeah. Did you find that that connecting with you through writing came naturally? Because you you mentioned you said you love teaching, and 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 I can yeah. tell. And we talked earlier about your involvement in your kids' life with homeschooling and things mm -hmm. like that. Oh. Is that where that love of teaching you think developed? Is as you started teaching your children? as they were young in homeschooling? No, no. Um, it was, it was certainly even as a child, I was, uh, I was, I tried to tell jokes, you know, to my sisters or read out from joke books and storytelling. And so I, I can even go back. Yeah. Certainly to my, my very youngest days, uh, with that, but I was never a teacher in this, in a school classroom or anything. But, uh, if I learned something, I, I, I just can't help, but pass it on. And so in terms of writing, um, that was, there was actually a five minute episode in my life, a beautiful one. I did not realize at the time, just how helpful it would be for my writing. <laughs> wow. It was incredible. It was actually nothing to do with writing at the time, but I was going, I was recording myself on video and like everybody, I hated the look of myself, hated the sound of my voice, thought I sounded funny. Oh no, I did an um and an R ah, and I was just losing confidence and trying to record on my own. And I was, I was the actor. I was the script writer. I was the camera guy. I was the 
editor. And then I was also pretending to be the audience and the critic. <laughs> and so I was hypercritical, just trying to create some video course or something. And it just wasn't really, really working. And then I realized, I said to myself, Anthony, cause that's my name. I said, Anthony, I, you're not going to win an Oscar. Just get over it. Yeah. And once I recognized that from the very next day, I caught myself actually enjoying watching my videos. I said, what happened there? <laughs> I realized that my expectations were just ridiculous. I was trying to go for a Super Bowl ad standard of video in my mind. And I was setting myself an impossible barrier. You know something, uh, let me, let me, let me jump in there, Anthony. That hmm. is for people that create any kind of content, whether it's a podcast, whether it's yeah. videos, things like that. There's always something that you could be critical of. And people, I, I, I was talking to somebody earlier today and they said, you have a very thick Southern accent. And, right. and I, and I, I, you know, I could look at that and I could say, well, I'm not as good a podcaster as Joe Rogan. I'm not as good a podcaster as this person that has millions of downloads and millions of mm -hmm. followers and things like that. But I have determined in purpose to your point to be the best host of the intentional encourager podcast that I can be exactly tell the story. When that moment happened for you, when you said, I am going to start enjoying my videos and doing what I do. Well, well that, yeah. that was not my yeah. intention, but that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And I could binge watch myself on video now and even actors and TV, TV presenters. You've got to tell me your secret because I can't even get my <laughs> wife to listen to an intentional encourager podcast. She's like, I'm sure that's good. I hear you talk enough. It so is, yeah. It is, well, one of the things that I do like on my YouTube channel, uh, which is just a technical channel on how to use, you know, little bits and pieces of Zoom with a 90 second video here and there, or how to build your YouTube channel. I can create videos all day long. It's super easy for me because I don't really care that I am not of a certain standard or that I don't look as good as Brian Sexton. I don't care. And that I don't have your southern accent. I don't. You care. can wake up and fall out of bed and look better than Brian Sexton. Well, I can tell you. I, I might try that. I, I'll, 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 I'll try that as a home exercise. So, <laughs> the thing is that I didn't. I, somebody pointed out on my, or a few people pointed out on some of my videos on YouTube. They said you blink a lot. I said, like, I, I would take that as an advantage. That we're taking it as a criticism. I'll take it as a benefit. I'm going to say, great. I'll call myself the blinking coach. I don't care. It's I'm. Ex it's that ability to accept your strengths and your weaknesses. Obviously, in the light of God and divine providence, right? And to say, I don't even need to. I I I can't be anybody else. I'm not going to complain about my age that I'm feeling old or I'm feeling young or I'm happy with that. There's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> I'm not going to be anybody else. Um, there's no, what I can control. That's what I focus on. And that is not going to suit everybody. And I totally get that just as I don't coach all women. I very often will tell women I'm 
I don't think I'm the right one. I don't think I'm a, a good fit for you. I don't think I've got what you need. Uh, and, and others that they just, yeah. It, and so that whole idea that you don't have to, uh, you don't have to fit into every, every single, I mean, there's only one podcast seat for the yeah. intentional encourager podcast host and you're it. So well, for better, people. yeah, for better or worse, it's, it's better or worse. And, yeah. The it's, yeah. Until, until not, somebody comes yeah. and takes it along. <laughs> Anthony, I, I want you to share with folks your biggest, the biggest obstacle that you've overcome because in life, it doesn't matter if you're here in the States, you're in the UK, in Australia, life is, has obstacles and challenges. I know you mentioned being in the IT industry for 30 years and being frustrated by how that was going and things like that, hmm. whether it's professional or personal, take sure. me through the biggest obstacle that you've overcome in your life and what the lesson you learned from it was. Yeah. So I, I would, I, I, it would be, I would have to say that it was a financial, um, mm, yeah, a financial one, whether a, a lot of it was driven by, you know, a bad investment that was really driven by a lack of, uh, yeah, just, just really driven by a decision made out of fear and that, uh, recognition that things work out, uh, you know, that God is going to give you all that you need to do everything. He gives everything that you need to do to do what you need to do. <laughs> he'll give you the health he'll give you the time, give you the abilities, but that doesn't mean that you can lie in bed all day and wait for it to happen. You have to do your bit. But, uh, the idea here is that you, 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 you dig the ground and you plant the seed and then let the rain fall where it will, but you've got to do your part. I love that. I'm writing that down. God gives us everything that we need to do to do what we need to do. Well, it yeah. would be unjust if he didn't. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> when, when, take me real quick. Take me through that because you, you, you mentioned a bad investment made out of that fear. was part of it it was it was you know a lack of my ability to sell to sell myself you know uh, imposter syndrome a whole lot of things all coming together the it industry going down uh there were just a lot of a lot of the things that that came together or if you like they didn't come together so take apart. me through that moment <laughs> anthony real quick take me through that moment where you finally powered through the fear because fear can be very paralyzing yeah. for a lot of people. And I know you probably coach some ladies that, that are dealing yeah. with just absolute fear and it's paralyzing to them. And I I've been through it yeah. myself at times. Cool. How did you overcome that fear that you had from that, that bad investment and really yeah. just say, Hey, this it's okay. I can get through this. Yeah. I, and the answer is I didn't, uh, I have overcome it, but it wasn't how I did it. It was, uh, I mean, I call it divine providence, but you might call it, somebody else might call it circumstances. I realized that like the train still kept running anyway, even though I thought we'd, <laughs> I thought, even though I thought we'd lost, uh, you know, we lost the driver and we didn't have any fuel, the train kept running and life did keep going on. And 
and then I, I, I realized, goodness, we got through that. that <laughs> what well, sometimes us? you can feel like the train is, is just, just hitting you. Like you're standing on the tracks. It's, it's almost like here in the States, we have, we had the silent movies back in the 20, the 1920s. And, and the, the villain has strapped a young lady to the tracks and the train is coming yeah. Yep. And and there's this dramatic rescue scene, but sometimes in life the train just just hits you full force, and yeah. you feel like you're 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 gonna die, and and I don't mean to be so graphic and dramatic, but what you said there was so impactful, Anthony. You realize the train kept running and life kept going, and I love that that you said that. Well, it's 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 absolutely true, and the other thing is that the right people come into your path. We ended up having to sell our old house, find a new house. I wasn't happy about that situation, but we had a real estate agent, uh, who, who, and it was exactly the wrong time to sell. Everybody was telling us that the market is down, hold on to your house. And he used that weakness in the market to his, to our advantage. And it was just extraordinary. And I looked back and I just thought, this is just amazing. How did that, how did he, he used it in a, in a very good way. He said, well, that's actually, that means there's fewer, fewer properties on the market. And we ended up mortgage free in a new house. We didn't know about COVID. This was just before COVID happened a few months before. And next thing we're in a house, which is much more remote from all of these areas that have, you know, that have got like, it's, it's much easier for us to feel a little bit more isolated, but still have plenty of, plenty of, um, of places to walk around. We're just, there's just a whole lot of things that came together that we couldn't possibly foresee. I want you to, yeah. Came into our path as well. Anthony, I love the, I love that perspective. And, and, and again, I live in a state that's sparsely populated. We have about 1.8 million people. I can walk outside and I have room to, you know, and, I, and there's a, a Creek behind me and there's some woods and, you know, the times I just look and I'm like, this is, this is great. Take the audience through your biggest piece of intentional encouragement and, and, and just, just leave folks today with, with whatever is on your heart to share around intentional encouragement? Well, one, one of my favorite sayings is if, if a thing is worth doing, it's worth doing badly. We set ourselves impossible uh, expectations on ourselves. And we say things like, I'm a perfectionist. Oh, really? Tell me, what have you done today that's perfect? Like you're setting yourself up for failure. Your job is to move the goalposts. Wherever the ball lands in life, you've done, you do what you can. If you make a mess of it, then you do what you can. <laughs> Wherever the ball lands in life, take a set of inflatable goalposts, imaginary inflatable goalposts, blow them up and put them there and say, that was a goal. Mm-hmm. And, and when I, you know, when I come in on the intention and I didn't realize it till just now I've recorded over a hundred episodes and I realize now that the way that I say, you know, welcome to the intentional encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. I'm actually using the Australian rules football symbol for a goal. I'm doing this. 
And I remember, yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I would watch ESPN and they would, they would have Australian rules football and the guy that the referee would stand up and about his waist, he would go, he would that's do right. that. Yeah, they, they did. Yeah, that the, the Australian yeah. rules Melbourne's football. Yeah, a, a, Anthony English. I, yeah, Anthony English. <laughs> you have enlightened me today, my friend. I did not realize that what I was actually doing was signaling goal for Australian rules football. I I did not realize that just until this. So I, my sincere <laughs> well, gratitude to you, my well, friend. Well, let's take let's take a lesson from that even though probably most of the listeners have never seen an Australian rules game. Uh, let's take a lesson from that, which is that when you set a, when you have a goal in Australian rules, you have your two goalposts just upright and the ball has to got to go, has got to go through there. And if, if it goes through there is six points. Yes. But there are two other goals on the outside. So imagine two tall posts and two outside smaller posts. And you still get a point if you miss. That's called the behind. And so you still get a point if you miss. Just because your your dart hasn't hit the center of the of the dartboard doesn't mean you don't get any points. I love it. And and I'm writing down the beauty of Australian rules football, even when you miss. <laughs> You still That's get a right. Point. It's a goal is six points and a behind is one point, which is when you're aiming for a goal and you miss it. Wow. That is so, so good. What a, what a great way a to end for you. life. What a, and what a great way to end our conversation. Anthony, tell the folks <laughs> how they can get in touch with you, connect with you. There may be somebody listening going, I really like what Anthony has to say. Yeah. I would love for him to help this Rachel. You may be a, 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 a woman there that, that is cool. listening and say, I, I need some help dialing in my Rachel. So tell folks how they can connect with you. The very best way is to connect with me on LinkedIn. Okay. All the Rachels will be on LinkedIn, even if they're not posting or active, uh, to connect with me on LinkedIn and direct message. But most important, when you connect with me, say, I heard you on that guy with the Southern accent on his podcast. I can't remember his name. You know, the Australian rules guy. Yeah, yeah, you, you tell heard- me that mention that you that that uh, you, you you heard or saw me on the on the podcast here. That would be Men- yeah, mention that you heard Anthony on the Intentional Encourager podcast, and and say, listen, I couldn't understand a word the two of you guys were saying because yeah, of absolutely. his Australian accent and, yeah, your, and your southern, southern hill- accent. Yeah, you might your yeah. hillbilly accent. Anthony English, this has been tremendously valuable conversation. Thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Encourage podcast. You're very welcome. Wonderful to be here. Thank you, Brian. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll enjoy all the other episodes of the Intentional Encourager podcast, releasing each Tuesday and Friday. You can get those by subscribing wherever you get podcasts. Until next time, remember, anyone, anytime, any place can be an intentional encourager.